Welcome to the Coaches Platform Podcast, where we discuss transformational coaching and its mission to change the arc of young people's lives. Tonight's guest is Coach Tyler Abel, who's the offensive coordinator and a community-based special education teacher at Bloomington North High School in Bloomington, Indiana. Coach Abel talks to us about building team culture through empathetic listening. In my coaching career, um, I've learned to become an empathetic uh, listener because of its importance in my relationships to the kids I coach. This past season, I had a player who decided football wasn't for him anymore. And when we sat down and talked about it, instead of trying to convince him to keep playing football, as I think I would have in the past, I heard all of his reasons why he wanted to leave the game. And uh, it, it brought us closer and I was able to support him in his decision. To, to go and do other things. Let's kick it off. We're really, really lucky tonight to, to have uh, Coach Tyler Abel with us. Uh, Tyler's a 17-year uh, high school football coaching veteran, uh, currently at uh, Bloomington North High School. Uh, also coached on the, on the, on the Diamond, uh, nine years of baseball. And... Uh, I'm just going to say this, uh, you know, we send out a little questionnaire and we get some feedback to kind of get on the same page with, with, with everyone. Uh, when I read your, your feedback, it, it was like I was, I was reading something that, that, that a brother from another mother was, was writing. So uh, when, when, when we turn this over to you, um, I, I'm really excited to hear what you have to say because uh, I think we are, we are, uh, two birds of a feather. So uh, I'm really excited to have you. Uh, Joseph? I'm, all, I'm excited too. Um, <clears throat> I got the pleasure of working with Tyler for just the spring of uh, last year, I guess. Um, it was a good time uh, coaching with him because I think we, we share some of the same values. My, my, my way of expressing were, were often different than his way of expressing them, but I think we were trying to drive home the same point of of caring for a kid and trying to get him to be his best, uh, not only on the football field, but in life. And um, Tyler got me at the front end of what, when I'm trying to get kids to buy into my, the way I coach them. Um, and I think they, they bought in by the time um, I, uh, I left um, Bloomington North because we moved out here to New York, but um I really enjoyed working with him and watching him work with kids and, and his attitude and uh, desire to make them not just better football players, but better kids uh, was really fun for me. Cause again, like, you know, Andy, like sometimes that's not the goal of coaches. The goal is winning or losing or winning and all that matters is winning and losing. Um, and uh, it wasn't, it wasn't all about that with Tyler. He, he truly had a, a heart for the kids, which was fun for me to be a part of. That's awesome. That's awesome. So Tyler, we're going to kick it to you. Uh, what is the one, the one big thing that you want to share with, with us, share with young coaches, uh, sh you know, share with our society? I mean, there, there's, there's a lot going on. And, and, and I think what you have to say is it, it's really could resonate with uh, young people, young coaches and our, our society today. So uh, what's that thing? Well, first of all, thanks for having me, uh, both of you. It's, 
for me, it's exciting to talk about coaching and leadership and, you know, working with young people. Um, you know, I, I truly believe that the time that we're in right now, that young people are going to be the reason we get things turned around and what we're trying to do in our country and, you know, in schools and different things like that. So to be able to talk about that, it's a passion of mine. Uh, so, you know, I, I think for me, I, I still consider myself a young person at times. Um, but, you know, I, I know if you talk to some of my students or some of my athletes, I, they call me an old guy because I've been around for a while, um, have a lot of different experiences. And probably the, the most important thing I would tell anybody getting into coaching or um, you can't be focused just on the results of what happens on the field on a Friday night or a Tuesday night or whenever you're competing. Um, to me, competing is you compete every day. There are so many different ways that you can compete in life that to me is more valuable than the result that happens on game night. Um, and that's the stance that I've tried taking anytime I work with kids. Um, you, you know, and I learned that, you know, growing up, I, I was a successful athlete, but I learned a lot from my failures too. Um, and, and that, that was hard whenever I got into coaching because there were times that we failed way more than we were successful. And, um, you know, and that's a hard lesson to learn, but it was one that was important for me because I think it gave me a sense of reflection. Um, cause to me, that's young coaches that they have a really hard time doing that reflecting on what works, what doesn't, where do we go from here? Um, you know, I think I seen a lot of young coaches kind of the my way or the highway approach and, and I don't think that, you know, we're not in the day and age of Bob Knight and some of these coaches that, you know, it was their way and that was the only way. Um, you, you have to be able to collaborate with other coaches and learn from them. And, and to me, that, that's the most important thing a young coach can learn is, you know, be a sponge, be willing to learn and know that you are so far from being an expert on your craft um, that you have to be. That's the only way you're going to become successful. That's the fun part of it too, right? With working with young coaches is like, <clears throat> like you get to, you get to hear them in their excitement for everything. Right. But they only know how to coach like they were coached. So watching them do that and then trying to, you know, massage them in different directions where like, Hey, maybe that's not the best way to get through to a kid today. And then even showing them like with, when you're interacting with athletes is asking them like all these kids go to camps and clinics and this and that, and this, like their parents are just throwing money at people to make them a better athlete. Right. So they come back from those, like as a coach, you're stupid not to be like, Hey, what'd you do this weekend at whatever camp you were at? Like, let's talk about that drill. And like, Oh man, that's a great drill. Let's, let's bring that into our puddle and make us better as a team because of it. But speaking as young to young coaches, like you have to be able to like massage them. Right. Cause we're all ego driven when we get into coaching. Right. Cause we were all successful athletes at one point and we were all 
fired up to do it the way we were taught to do it because we were successful. Yeah. You got to be able to be like, you know, hey, dial it down here, but dial it up here. I love this about you, but this not so much. And you got to be able to express that to these kids, the coaching wise, um, in a way that doesn't like turn them off or make them think like, oh, this old man doesn't know what he's talking about anymore. Um, so I, I, I like hearing that from from what you just talked about. And I think that speaks to the collaborative process of it too. You know, I, I tell our athletes, I tell young coaches, to me, when I'm collaborating with another coach, I can talk a mile a minute, but if I'm not listening, then I don't hear anything else that's coming out of another coach's mouth. And to me, you know, listening is the most important thing you can do in communication. If you don't hear what's the words or have an empathy for what's coming out of uh, someone's mouth, then you've got no chance. I mean, you're always going to be thinking you've got the right answer and you don't know, you know, what else is going on and what could be there to help make you more successful. So, you know, I, I think that's another piece to it also. Man, empathy. What a great word. I love it. Like, I, I mean, I talked to my kids like during this time of sheltering at home and being the, like, obviously I'm a stay at home dad. So I'm used to being around my kids, but like being around my kids this much is, is very taxing. Right. And like, I see it in their eyes when they're just waiting to talk instead of listening. Like, and I have to break that down for them. Like, Hey, listen, I see you waiting to talk, not hearing the words I'm saying. So the words I'm saying are just going to keep coming out again and again and you're going to wait to talk and we're never going to move past this point. So once you start listening and like you said, with empathy, like, Oh, I understand what he's saying. I want to feel what he's saying. And now I get that to get us to the next spot. Um, I love it. If you can listen with empathy, man, it makes just everything so much easier. Well, and I mean, to me being a special ed teacher, empathy is showing, you know, to me, I work with kids that most of them are nonverbal. So when I talk about empathy and listening, it's not just verbally, you know, you can tell a lot by a, a kid or a young coach by their body language and where they're at, you know, based on how they're acting. And, and I think that's something that gets lost, especially in today's day and age with everything that's going on. We need more empathetic listeners. You know, we have so many people that are on their soapbox with their ideas and what they believe and this, that, and the other, but they're not actually listening to what everybody else is feeling. And, and I think that as a young coach is a, if you can establish that tool right there, you're going to go a long way and you're going to be pretty successful because people are going to respect the hell out of you um, in what you bring to the table. That's, I mean, uh, that is the thing that I read when, when we, we were looking at this and it was like listening and, and then the world, you know, just exploded in the last two weeks. And let's not say it wasn't something that's been building and so on and so forth, but, but I've learned so much in my coaching career, my teaching career uh, from, from just, just what you're saying is, is listening, listening with empathy. Uh, I, I don't think that there is anything more important, especially in this time, right? You're saying soapbox and Twitter and social media and this and that, and everybody wants to say what they have to say, but we're not going to solve problems if, if we're not listening. If we're all no. talking at each other and not to each other, <clears throat> then we're just going to sit in the same spot. 
Right? It's like, just a cycle. You yeah. Know? It's, it's what Einstein, you know, when he talks about the definition of insanity, you know, you keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting something to change. It's not going to change if you keep doing the same thing. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's, that, a, that's a great, that's a great example of, of it, right? Like doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting somebody else to change because you're doing the same thing to change them, right? Like, yeah, it doesn't work. Sorry, Andy, I didn't mean to go. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And I think that kind of leads us into, I mean, it is, you've already answered the question, but it leads us into our second question and we can kind of go from there is, is right. This is so important, right? This is so important for the success of a coach. This is so important for the success of a program, for the success of a school, right? If you're, if you're going to take your leadership characteristics from a coaching venue to a, educational leader of a building or a district uh, to politics, to community leadership, to family, to, to being a husband or a wife. Uh, so why is it important? I just rattled off a bunch of ideas, but why is it important for you, right? You're, you're doing it every day. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important because that's life. You know, I mean, I, it's, it's the reality of the situation that we live in. If you don't, if you can't communicate with people, you're going to have a really hard time doing the things you need to, to get things accomplished. And as a leader, you know, if you're not listening to your people, then you don't really feel what they're feeling. Um, you don't, you have no idea what someone's going through until you listen to them. You can guess, you can speculate. Um, but it, you, you don't, you don't feel it. Um, and that's something that, you know, I, I'm fortunate because in my teaching job, I lead, I, I have six different adults that work for me in my classroom as paraprofessionals. Um, so every day I'm constantly checking in with them. What, how you guys feeling? How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? And it's more about me gauging where they're at instead of them getting to where I'm at. I'm at. And that, to me, I think gets so lost in a young coach because they just constantly want to say, well, why aren't you up here doing 40 hours of film? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Instead of saying, how can I get you up to where you're doing some of these things? How can I help? How can I be somebody that can you know, leads you to the place you want to get. Um, so I think that to me, that's important, you know, and it, and it translates over into having a family. And, um, you know, I joke all the time, my wife is the boss of my house. She's the leader of the house, but without constant communication, you know, we, we don't, nothing would work in our house. So it, I, I think that as a leader, you're constantly doing check-ins. You're constantly, trying to self-reflect on what's working, what's not. And you have to do that in a collaborative fashion with the people that are around you to be successful. Well, you say that as a leader that you have to do that, but I think you're missing a word there. I think as a good leader, you have to do that. Like there's plenty Correct. of people out there that are in positions of leadership that A, don't know how to handle that position or B, don't deserve to be in that position of leadership. And they don't do that. They don't check in with their subordinates because either it's an ego thing where they think they have all the answers or it's a, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, not insufficient, but um, they're scared of the people. Insecurity. Having, insecurity there. Thank you, Andy. An insecurity thing, right? Where they're either ego driven, where they're like, I have all the answers. Whatever you guys say, doesn't matter. You say whatever you want. We're going to do it my way. Or they're insecure and they're like, well, what if this guy's better than me? Or what if this lady's better than me? Then, then I'm not going to be in this position of leadership. Instead of being a, a servant leader where like you're empowering your people to rise up to your level and you're hoping you push them on to do better things than they're, than what you hired them to do. Right. Like I, I use my wife as an example. She's an excellent example of a servant leader who hires people to do their job, trains them to do it better and then pushes them out into the world in positions that maybe a, they didn't think they were ready for or B they didn't know they wanted to be in. Right. Like I love seeing that about her. And I think I've, <clears throat> in my coaching career, being married to her, like, I think I've become a better coach by watching her be a servant leader and me being like, oh man, yeah, I should totally help everybody around me. You know, the, the rising tide rises all boats, the theory of it, but just the practicality of it. Like I've seen it happen with her. She's obviously being successful by doing that. Like I should probably model some of my behavior after that and be like, I'm not threatened by you. I want to help you. And like, if you're getting better, I'm getting better. We're all getting better. We're all going to benefit from the betterness of it. But I think that goes to your point also, as a good leader, you've got to recognize where great leaders are and understand that you can learn from them. And that in most instances, I would say that great leaders are more willing to help somebody that wants to be a great leader than somebody that's not interested in listening to them and is just trying to get up the pecking order, you know, and get to the top. Um, so I think that's important to it too. Yeah. I think, I think what you're saying there is like, I think everybody, like everybody's been involved with that person who says the right thing to the right person arises to a certain level and then they get found out for, for what they are. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, great leaders recognize it at some point, like, Oh, that, that person is just, it's a facade to make more money or have more power or whatever it is. But yeah, I, I think you're right. Great leaders recognize people who are able to lead, right? They yeah. want those people. And I think Andy and I have benefited from being around West Point um, where leadership is the goal, right? Like that is the entire goal of this place. And I think um, I've only been here a year and Andy's been here longer than me, but I think seeing it and interacting with these awesome leaders has just reinforced my belief that like, if you want to be an excellent leader, you have to be willing to let other people lead. Yeah. Right? Like, it, and, it's and just you, amazing. And Tyler, I, I think what you said a, a while back there was you want to help those people get where they want to get. Right. So, so you had to listen to them. Right. You, you had to ask that Absolutely. question and you had to listen and say, hey, where is it? Right. Because we've all been in a position where there's a young coach and and we we might want them to to have the passion that we have for a particular sport or or a particular uh, team or, or, or a particular goal. And maybe that's not their goal at all. So if you, if you don't ask that question and that's that's a great part of of what you're saying about being a great listener is is asking great questions, right? Where do you want to get and, and how can I help you get there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that you have to do that. And to me, that's a sign of a great leader. 
um, is being able to listen to other people and helping them get where they want to go, not necessarily bringing them up to where you think they should go. And I think that's probably true as an educator as well, right? You're, you're absolutely right. You're dealing yeah. with, you're dealing with a, a unique population. I, I as a teacher, uh, worked with at-risk kids for a number of years and, and every day that struggle of, of how can we mesh our goals, right? Because as an educator, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get you where you need to go. Yep. How, how can I get you to go where you want to go at the same time? And how can we, how can we mesh our goals together? Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so when, when we're talking about this, I know for me, uh, I coached football for a dozen years or so. And, and then I went over and I coached uh, girls lacrosse. Uh, I didn't play lacrosse. I, 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 I'm not a female. I, and I dove into this experience and I, and I learned a lot through listening, right? Through listening to my players, through listening to experienced coaches. Uh, what would you say to a, to a, a young coach or an experienced coach who, who maybe struggles with maybe focusing on the outcome and not the process, or maybe isn't a, a great listener. Maybe he, he always wants the, the, the marker on the whiteboard to have the answer at the end of the day. What's, what's one tangible strategy that you would give uh, a coach uh, that is listening that they could walk out onto the field as soon as they can get back out on the field and uh, take with them? That's, that's an interesting question because I, I think there's so much to it that in terms of finding tangible things that you can – latch on to I mean there's a lot of them a lot of different directions you could go for me um, you know I learned a lot about leadership through the guy who's our head coach at Bloomington North um, having a mentor that you can tap into and um, and I would say lead you the right way um, I think's hugely important um, you know as a young coach you know, I started coaching when I was 18 and it was something that I thought I had a lot of answers until I started losing a lot of games and then the parents had all the answers. And then now I was playing catch up on why don't I have all the answers? So, you know, and what helped me get out of that was, you know, I'm, I'm a doer. I'm somebody that's going to go try to fix a situation. So I went and I found books. I went and found, um, you know, other coaches, mentors, people that I could tap into as resources to help me become better at my craft. You know, I, I always go back to, you know, I heard Mike Krzyzewski a long time ago talk about, a report, he was doing an interview, and a reporter asked him, Coach K, when do you anticipate retiring from coaching basketball? And, and I thought his response was so perfect. He, and he said, when I retire from basketball, it's when I think I know everything about it and I can't learn, any, learn anything else. And, and that's so huge for a young coach in that there's always something to learn. There's always a better way to do something. And then I think that's what you guys are trying to accomplish by providing this type of resource for those coaches. But 
you know, I would just say immerse yourself in it, you know, go find a book, go find, you know, different coaches from different sports, because to me, the best coaches are the coaches that don't necessarily know everything about technique, but know everything about creating great teams. You know, I am a firm believer that I could, I, I think I'm a decent leader. I think I could walk into a wrestling room and put guys around me that know great technique about wrestling and we could produce a pretty decent product because I understand how teams get built. Um, and I think that in itself is such an important thing for young guys to learn and how, how you can do better at creating great teams um, because you're always going to be able to learn about the technique and different things like that but it's that piece of creating great teams that I think gets lost on a lot of young coaches, you know, because they're great technicians, but they don't know exactly how to bring people together and work for a common goal. That's, that's outstanding. I, I, uh, I think about, uh, I think about what you're saying in terms of being a lifelong learner, right? So, so, being a reader is being a good listener, right? You're, you know, the, the, the audio book thing is, has roped me in and, and forget it. The, the 1.5 speed, I'm like, like I'm, yeah. so, so being a great listener, being a, a great reader, being a lifelong learner is, is a really powerful statement. And, yeah. I think, I think, I think understanding that that you're never going to have all the answers is huge, right? Like, I, I, I'm just sort of picking on what you guys are saying. It's like, if you're not willing to understand that things change and things grow, then you're not going to be – you may be a great leader this year, right? You may have had all the answers this year for this season, but if you're not willing to understand that next year's team is going to be – 100% different even if it's all the same kids there's going to be all there's going to be a hundred different challenges and you're not willing to learn how to take those on then you're not going to continue to be a great leader right you need to continue to grow grow your mindset you have a growth mindset of leading right it's like not just one way to do it I would say even the best leaders like everybody sees Nick Saban or, or, um, as stoic and doing it one way. But I think if you listen to him in interviews, you can see his growth as a leader, right? Like he understands kids have changed and technique, like he went from a fullback offense to a spread offense. And like, that was never going to happen with that dude, right? He's a defensive guy. He never wanted to see anything change, but he understood everything changes and he had a growth mindset about it and he continued to get better as a leader because he empowered his coaches and empowered his kids to uh, do the best they could with the best opportunity available. So I didn't mean and I think anybody. No, you're good. And I think an important word to throw in there with empowerment is ownership. You know, I think there's so much that can happen when you give, give your coaches or your people, even the, athletes you're coaching ownership and what they're doing they're going to be more invested they're going to be more willing to get on uh the train with you you know for you know yeah exactly they're going to get on the train and follow whatever you're going to do um and that includes you know the person that is at the very bottom of the totem pole um if you can get everybody to do that you know you're gonna 
have a great team. So, well, you say that, right? Like you say that even the person at the bottom of the totem pole, but like even harking back to my last, like, like with you guys at Bloomington North, like there were kids who knew, they just knew they weren't going to play, right? But you coach them the same way you coach the best kid you have. And they buy in because they're like, man, if he's spending this much time with me and like, we all understand where I'm at on the depth chart, like this must mean something. So, and and I tell, I tell, I tell athletes all the time, the day that you should worry is the day I stop talking to you. If I stop talking to you, I don't give I don't care anymore. You know, you, I am, you obviously have checked yourself out. And I, at that point, I'm not going to invest my time in you because you're not investing the time in me and what we're trying to do to be successful. So that's something all the time I tell kids like, yeah, there are times I'm going to be hard on you. And as a young coach, I was the coach that would lose his mind all the time. Like I was a screamer and a yeller, but as I went on, I learned that there are far better ways to reach kids outside of screaming and yelling that is more impactful to them and 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 that's something that I would say to young coaches also is is there's a time and a place to be that screamer and yeller but there's also a time and a place for silence and if I I hear you correctly like you got 32 kids you got 32 coaching styles right like you can't coach every kid the same if if and that, that goes back to my training as a special ed teacher you know and you know, I'm creating an individualized plan for every kid that I educate during the day while I'm doing that as a coach too. You know, I'm looking at how to, you know, create the best athlete that kid can be. So I'm creating an individualized coaching style and plan for that kid that fits within our scheme, that fits within my philosophy of what we're trying to accomplish. And to me, that's important. Yeah. You can't, you can't cookie cutter kids. Um, I, <clears throat> I think it happened for a long time and it wasn't the right way to go. And, and I was, I'm the same way, right? Like I'm a screamer and yeller and I'm a screamer and yeller to this day, like young coach, old coach. I like, that's just who I am. Right. And Andy's witnessed it. You've witnessed it. Like I yell, I scream, but I also think in the quiet moments with me, the kids understand that I care about them, which I try to get across in other ways. Right. Like I might just kill a kid on a play or a technique, or a drill, but at the end of the day, like when we cross that white line and we're walking to the locker room or coming out of the locker room and he's headed to his car and we're walking to the parking lot at the same time, like he understands that like where we were on the field was to make him a better football player. Where we are in this parking lot is that I love him, I care for him, and like all that is – all that stuff between the white lines is to be better between the white lines. Everything on the other side of it is just, is just love and care for a kid. And I want him to do the best in life. Like, cause at the end of the day, like, yeah, you get what in Indiana is it 44 Friday nights guaranteed, right? 11 games. a season. Uh, 40. 40. 40. Okay. 10 games. a yeah. season. You got 40 guaranteed Friday nights. Right. So those 40 days hindsight don't mean anything as compared to what the rest of your life means, right? And I want to see set, set you up for success in the next however many days you're alive rather than just those 40 days that I'm coaching you to be great. 
in that sport. Yeah. I think, you know, just to kind of to, to bring it together here, uh, you know, Joseph used this term, and I, I know it's a term that you're familiar with, Tyler. It, you said, you know, you want coaches to become team builders, not not X's and O's guys in, in, in whatever their specific sport is. And, and being a great team builder means you have to be a servant leader, right? You, you want to serve, you want to serve each individual, and then you want to serve uh, the greater good of, of the team. And, and, I, and I know just from speaking to you this short time, you want to, you want to serve the greater good of, of community and society for, for the next generation. And, and the things that I picked up from you tonight and, and, and I'm going to take with me is it starts with listening, right? And if you listen, if you listen with empathy, you demonstrate your care uh, and, and you reflect on what you listen to you're going to be successful and maybe it's not about the results on the scoreboard this year or next year, but it's, it's looking at that 40 year timeline of, of your young men or young women uh, building a team at home, building a team in their community, building a team uh, for, for posterity. So uh, I, I'm really blessed to have had this conversation and I think we could keep going for, probably another hour, but that uh, screaming 18-month-old upstairs uh, is probably going to need some attention. Joseph, any, any, any closing words? No, man, I really appreciate it, Tyler. I respect you as a coach, and, and I know we only had a short time together, but um, I feel that time together, um, A, grew me as a coach, and um, I, I really enjoyed it, which is why we asked you to, to be on the podcast. So I appreciate you coming out and and uh, putting up with me for another however long we've been on this thing. I know I'm hard to deal with most of the time, so thank you. Well, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it's fun for me to talk with people that are excited about, you know, creating good young coaches that want to be leaders of men and women, for that matter. Um, and that's that to me is – what we do and why we do it. And um, to be able to talk about that, uh, it's exciting for me to do. So thank you guys for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. Awesome, Tyler. And listen, uh, I would love to have you back. I mean, I would love to do this again because I think there are so many, so many little seeds in there, whether it's reflection, we could do a whole, we could do a whole 45 minutes on, on just reflecting it, whether reflecting on film or reflecting on, uh, yourself or reflecting on what you're hearing from from your teammates or, or your your team itself uh, I think we do this again so if you're if you're up for it I'd love to Anytime. you guys let me know and I'll uh, we'll work it in to my schedule <laughs> open right now not a whole lot to do right now um, so I even though I got five kids there are times and I know what it was like to have an 18 month old I've been there so I get it and I know Joseph has also. So, uh, but yeah, anytime you guys, I, I gladly would join you guys again. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. This is awesome. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for huddling up with us this week on the Coaches Platform Podcast. Remember, you can find us at 
Coaches Platform on Twitter and Instagram. Contact us at thecoachesplatform at gmail.com. And please remember to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you happen to find your podcasts.